Welcome to the Grandmother Podcast. Just a brief reminder while it's up in front of you to please leave a five-star rating if you enjoy the show. And if you're feeling generous, to subscribe and to leave a review as well. We love your feedback and it goes a long way towards helping the algorithms and getting us out to more people. And for more, you can follow along at Grandmother Podcast on Instagram. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Brian Peoples, and today I'm interviewing my grandmother, Florence Beitch. Say hello, Grandma. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, I figure we'll just go chronologically. So why don't you tell everybody where you were born and what your upbringing was like? I was born in Brooklyn. My upbringing was great. I had great parents. My brother is great. Everybody is great. (laughs) But we moved from Brooklyn to... Queens when I graduated high school. And how would you say the way you were raised differs from how you parented your kids? I don't know. I I think I did nothing different than my mother and father would have done for me. We did whatever we could for them. Of course, they weren't appreciated. <laughs> but uh, we just did what we could. We Help them out wherever we could. We still help them out. But uh, it was a different time, but the family was the same. Sure. How would you describe your parents individually? Oh, my mother was a person who loved to dress. She wouldn't go to put the garbage out unless <laughs> her makeup was on. I remember. And she was ready to go. Lots of brooches and, and things. <laughs> and my, my father had a fantastic sense of humor. If you told him a story, he remembered it for the rest of his life. As a matter of fact, he used to meet with his friends early in the morning before they went to work. They would have coffee. And someone would throw out a word. Okay, tell me a joke about a cat. And he would be able to tell him a joke. He had a great sense of humor. <laughs> I love that. That makes a lot of sense, too. I always thought you were very funny. I usually describe you to people as sort of a female Larry David, if you could imagine such a thing. 
It's always been jokes and business with you. That's right. So how do you describe yourself growing up in school? Like, you know, I was the musician guy for a while, then I was skateboarding and, you know, you've seen all my phases and things, but how would you describe yourself or classify yourself? Uh, when I was growing up, it was very simple. You know, you couldn't wear pants to school. You couldn't wear jeans. You had to wear a dress. I was extremely active. I would run home because I lived about a block and a half from my school, change into my jeans, run back to school, and play handball or play basketball or whatever anyone was playing. So I was always very active. And what were your grandparents like? My grandparents were very quiet, very nice very, very hardworking. Actually, it was your great-great-grandmother, Minnie, and your grandfather was Charles, and they owned a candy store in the Williamsburg area. And I remember going there when I was a little girl because when I was seven, they came to live with us. They had a fire, and they lost the store. So they came to our house. and. Though I had a choice of anything I wanted to have in the store, it can't be going to a candy store. <laughs> I don't ever remember asking for ice cream and candy. And, you know, I was just going to visit my grandparents. But they were terrific people, very caring. Unfortunately, when they came to live with us, your great grandfather, Charles, passed away a short time after he was 65. And Grandma Minnie lived to be into her 90s, about 94. So It's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. A lot of that in your family. Grandma Summer was, what, 91? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. I see a lot of parallels between that and the way we grew up because, you know, you and... Grandpa started a printing store on Main Street in Bayshore, New York, a long time ago. And we would always go in there as kids and hang out. And, you know, I realize it's probably not as much fun as a candy store for a kid, but uh, it was always a good time. And so I am curious, though, if that's something that your grandparents had instilled in you or if you just always had that entrepreneurial spirit. It was something I was always interested in. As a matter of fact, I will call your mom now and say, I have a great idea. And she'll say, oh, my God, not again. (laughs) And then I'll tell her and she says, don't worry, they're doing that now. Okay, I'm out of business again. But uh, I remember many, many years ago, I went to Sears Roebuck and I said, do you have any wheels that have a clamp on them? He said, what do you want wheels for with a clamp? I said, I want to put them on my garbage can so that they'll roll. Oh, he said, that's a great idea. (laughs) You invented rolling garbage cans. (laughs) So I invented rolling garbage cans. The garbage can was so heavy. It was made out of steel. It wasn't (laughs) one of these plastic things that when you filled it, You really had to uh, be able to (laughs) uh, push it. So all these things that I've thought of, they've already been done. But when we started our business, I went into a 
another print shop, and we were doing a newsletter. And I went in, and there was nobody there. I called out, and I said, nobody answered. So I went around the counter, and I looked in the back because he had a wall up. And uh, he said, oh, you have to go in front. I said, okay. And I went in front, and I, I was doing a newsletter at that time for our temple. And I came home, and I said to Grandpa, we're going into business. <laughs> this guy only has one machine in the back. And we should be able to do that. And that's how we started. Did you know anything about the business or did you have any interest? You just saw a need in the market and went for it? It was a time when they were doing quick imprint. In other words, you didn't need to make metal plates. You didn't have to do anything like that. They had special paper. You put the picture down like you do a photocopy. It would make a copy of it, put it right on the machine, and it ran. And nobody was doing that in our town. So I said, we have to beat them. They're charging $25, and we only have to charge 5 <laughs> How long can you go? So what was my mom like as a kid, and how did you see her evolve over time? Uh, she's much better now. <laughs> <laughs> She was a problem. <laughs> she was always in trouble. <laughs> well, giving us a problem. What kind of trouble are we talking? If you asked her to do something and she said no, it was no. And no matter what you said, she wouldn't <laughs> do it. Or she would leave her room completely in a mess and she would take off for the beach with her friend. And everything was crazy. But uh, it was fun and games, even in college. She would call me practically every week. She was working on the newspaper. She was one of the editors. And she would say, Mom, do we have a lawyer in the family? <laughs> we may need a lawyer. She, it was always a, an article she was writing that got her into trouble. So he hasn't changed. As a matter of fact, if she had an argument with Grandma Selma, and Grandma Selma was in the bathroom, she would write out this note. I don't like you. You did this <laughs> to me and that. And she would slide it under the door. <laughs> she didn't even give up while she was in the bathroom. That was Mom. Well, she was a writer. Right. And for context, my mom later became an author and she contributes to these writing groups and all sorts of instructional things like that. So reaching a little bit further outside of the family in terms of world events, are there any you can think of in your lifetime that were particularly impactful? And I mean, events outside of my lifetime, like beyond a 9-11. I was kind of young, but of course... World War II was probably the most sobering of everything. And now it just doesn't stop. It's one war after another. If someone wants more land or someone wants more money, a war starts. Yeah. And uh, it's unfortunate what's going on now, but there's nothing we can do about it. 
unfortunately. So what do you actually remember from that time in World War II? I mean, I assume you were very young and don't have much of a recollection, but even in terms of aftermath? I remember they used to collect metal. They needed lots of metal. And everybody would take their old pots or pans or whatever they had, and they would put it out in front of their house. We lived in a two-family house. And there were piles all the way down the block. Nowadays, some guy would come with a truck, pick it all up, and take it to the junkyard. He would steal it. But there, nobody touched anything because it was for the war effort. And I remember on our windows, we had tape. So if there was bombing, glass wouldn't be uh, shattered and come into the house. And of course, every kid, and I still have it, was given a tag with their name, their date oh, wow, of like birth. Oh, like a dog tag? Yeah, but it was small. I still have it. Oh, Every wow. kid was given one. So they just didn't take a chance on anything. And we had what they call, and we just got them for our house, blackout shades. So that when you pulled them down, you couldn't see anything. You couldn't see the light in the house. It was quite a time. They collected fat. They brought it to the butcher because they needed it. They must have used it for making, who knows, making soaps or anything. Who knows what they used it for. I'm wondering if you've seen a movie called Fight Club with Brad Pitt. The main character, he descends into madness. He's schizophrenic, I think. He has multiple personalities. But he's always finding animal fat to make bombs. Oh, really? Yeah, he had some sort of front where it seemed like he was making soap, but really he was going (laughs) to blow up banks or something. (laughs) I don't, I don't know how accurate the science is. On any of that. That's the closest thing I could think of. So this section is going to be a little bit more of a recap than anything, because I did see your recent article in Newsday when you hit your 65-year wedding anniversary. But what's the story of you meeting Grandpa? Oh, that's the story. I was up in New York meeting Joe Rosen. I had known for a while. And I told him, don't come to my house because he had no car. I'll meet you up in New York. So I went to New York and I stood outside the theater. We were seeing uh, a vaudeville show. And while I was standing there, coming across the street is my aunt's niece, Florence Fisher, who I have known since I was a kid. And she was with Bert, Grandpa Bill's brother. So she introduced me. We said hello. We went into the theater, and they went on their way. Until we got out, was maybe an hour or so later, a couple hours later, we walked out of the theater. We start to walk. Who's coming down the street? Lawrence Fisher with Bert. So I said, What's the chance of, first of all, meeting anyone you know in Manhattan, now meeting them twice? So he said, why don't we double date? So I went with Joe. He went with Florence. 
and we went to a movie. And then after that, he said to me, would you like to meet my brother? Well, I wasn't going steady with Joe Rosen, so I said, sure. So uh, then I found out later he wanted me to date his brother because he wasn't allowed to use the family car. But if he (laughs) dated with his brother, he would have a car, and he'd be able to pick up his girlfriend, and he would be able to go where he wanted. So uh, that's how we met your grandfather. So how long before you started actually dating each other and before you were engaged and married? Not long. We were married within the year. In a short period of time, maybe three months, whatever it was, Grandpa Bill said, would you like to go steady? I said, okay, let's go steady. So I come home and I tell my mother the good news. She said, that's terrific. What's his last name? I said, I don't know what his last name is. (laughs) You know, he's introduced as Bill, my brother, not Bill Beitch. And I never thought of saying, by the way, what's your last name? So I said, okay, I've got to find out how to ask him his last name. So I thought to myself, I'll ask him how to spell it. Well, I'll call him up. And I'll say, how do you spell your last name? And pray that it isn't Joe Jones or Smith, because then he'll think he has a real dummy on his hands. <laughs> so he said, it's Beitch, B-E-I-T-C-H. Oh, I said, oh, okay. And that's how I got away with it. <laughs> All and right. found out his last name. <laughs> and how long before you started having kids? Uh, let me see. Graduated in 53, got married in 55, and your mother was born in 57, two years later, after we were married. Efficient. Yes. So what was it like for you when my parents got engaged? Your mother came home and said she was engaged. And actually, I had a ring that belonged to my grandmother or great-grandmother, and I kept it in the safe. And it was only a tiny stone, but it didn't matter. It was a diamond ring. So I said, here, you can wear this. You're engaged. And it wasn't until all the arrangements were made for the marriage, and we took the hall. And everything was done when your mother told me she was already married. (laughs) She got married while she was in college to your father. (laughs) It seemed that they're going to take him into the war. If he's out of school and he's not married, he'll be drafted. Then they had the draft. Well, that's all your mother had to hear. She didn't want him drafted. He was coming out of school. So they went and got married. So I said, why didn't you tell me? She said, because if I told you, you wouldn't have made me a wedding. (laughs) (laughs) You would have said, you're already married. You can save all this money. So when she has her anniversary, 
we always ask her. Which one? Is this the real one or the fake one? But she was married in a leap year. So her real anniversary only comes up every seven years. If you forget a card, don't worry. You have seven years. She never told you? (laughs) No, I actually don't think I've ever heard that story. Okay. (laughs) So what was it like for you when you started having grandkids? Oh, it's great. It's always great to have grandkids because you can sit, you can play with them, and you can say, goodbye. (laughs) You take care of them. It's your kid. I don't have to change them. I don't have to do anything. Grandkids are great. That's the best part about grandkids. You could play with them, be with them, and not have the responsibility. It's their parents' time. So for listeners, my brother and I were both adopted as babies. So I'm curious what it was like when the road to adoption began. Oh, well, it was a tough time for your mother and father. But when you guys came along, it was fantastic. As it turned out, I think it was grandpa was talking to a friend of his. And he said, is your daughter still looking to adopt someone? And grandpa said, yes. So he he said, yeah. Okay, just making sure. He had Evan. He was little, but he said, yes, she's looking. He didn't care how little he was and there'd be another baby. (laughs) Yes. So he said, well, I know someone. She's very smart. He's very smart, but they're too young to have children. They were, you know, teenagers. So he said, well, she's definitely interested. And there you were. You came along. So your grandfather started the ball rolling. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. How long was it between finding out that the option was there and me actually being born and in-house? I don't think she had given birth at the time. It wasn't like she she had the baby at home. I think mom and dad went to the hospital to get you. Was this immediately after finding out or was this something like, you know, there should be a baby coming in the next three months? It was a little while. I don't I don't know exactly whether it was a month or two months or whatever. But when she gave birth, Mom and Dad went to the hospital. Everything was okay with them. Everything was okay with Mom and Dad. And there you go. And thank you, Grandpa. (laughs) So I guess we could back it up a little bit and talk about what the process was like in adopting my brother since he came first. Um, I really don't know anything about his origins, but I know it was a very different story. Mom had cards made up. As a matter of fact, I think I saved one, a business card that she was interested in adopting a child. And she would give it out to different people that she knew. And someone who she gave the card to gave it to somebody else. And they said, are you still interested in adopting a child? And she said, yes. And she said, well, I know of someone who's having a baby and they want to give the baby up for adoption. She had an interview with this woman, not the woman who was having the baby, but the the one who was the middleman, sort of. And the woman was pleased with what she had to say. And there was Evan. So both of us were just word of mouth. There was no agency or anything involved? No, no agency. You just went out no. canvassing for children and little, it worked every time? <laughs> a little card. A little card and a friend. <laughs> so who from your side and before you do you think would be worth learning a little bit more about? Probably about your great-great-grandparents. Your great-great-grandmother was named Minnie and her husband was Charles. But when Minnie was young, she lost her mother. And there were five children. There were two boys, Ed, Herman, and three girls were Minnie, Fanny, and May. And he couldn't handle all these children. So he gave them away to different people. I Obviously, people he knew. He didn't just give them away. And unfortunately, she didn't find out the other kids were taken back. What happened is she was working for this family. She wasn't supposed to work for the family. She was supposed to be part of the family. 
but instead they turned her into a worker. And a doctor came to the house who knew her and knew these people. And she was on her hands and knees scrubbing the floor. And he was furious that they did that to her, that her girls didn't do that, but they turned her into a housemaid. And he took her from the house to his house because he didn't want her to have to do that. And he was very kind to her, and he had a very nice family. Then somehow word got out, maybe one of the kids said something, are you going to bring back Minnie? And she had no idea what anyone was talking about. And she was furious at him, her husband, for not saying there was a fifth child and leaving that child out. So she said, you have to bring her back to the house with her brothers and sisters. And she wound up coming back. Oh, wow. Is there anything you can think of as a similar story from Grandpa's side? Your great-grandfather, it would be Grandpa's father, came from Russia. And he had two sisters and a brother. And his father came here first and sent them money to come to America. And it turned out that his mother died. This was your Grandpa. Saul. His mother died, and it was up to him to get them from wherever they were, because we're not sure where they came from, because the names have changed so many times in Russia. And he got them to the boat, on the boat, and to New York. And he was maybe 16 at the time. There were just four little kids. And some Cossacks. Do you know what a Cossack is? I don't think so, no. Okay. Cossacks didn't think twice about killing you. They were vicious, vicious people in Russia. And Was this like a government organization or just vigilante? No, just a group. Maybe, who knows? Maybe they were, you know, formed into the government. But anyway, some Cossacks stopped him. They were going to stop him from going to the boat. So he said, you know what? I know some really nice girls that live around the corner. I'll get them for you. Okay, then you can go. And they took off. Because <laughs> they knew if they didn't get to the boat, they would never get to the boat. <laughs> and that was his meeting with the Cossacks. It's funny that he was from Russia. My grandparents were from Russia. They were all from Russia. Yet when anyone hears the name Beitsch, the first thing they say, are you German? No, Russian. (laughs) The spelling is different. The true spelling of Beitsch has an A in it somehow. But I guess when they came here, Someone changed the spelling because it was convenient. They didn't. But we found the boat that he came on. We found where he lived. Everything is online. Oh, wow. And you said your family also came from Russia? 
Yes. Now, the name was Siegel. And when he was about 12, there was a war going on. And they were taking all these kids into the army. And his family didn't want him taken into the army. So he may have had a sister or a couple of sisters, but he was the only boy. So somehow they made an arrangement with a friend who would take him with them. And they were going to England first. And they must have gotten some sort of passport and changed. We don't know. Must have changed his name. We never know what the name was. Was it Siegel? Was it Goldberg? Was it who knows? And we don't even know where he came from because when anyone asked him, he never wanted to talk about it because they killed his parents and his family. He came from a very comfortable family. They were not wealthy, but they had a farm. They had people working for them. So they were able to, I guess, pay these people. So they paid him. He went to England with them. He was bar mitzvahed in England. And then they went to America. And when they got to America, because these people had family in America, they told him, take a hike. (laughs) He had nothing. He slept on a floor somewhere and tried to get work. And so I don't know how old he could have been, maybe 16 at the time, you know, until I don't know how long they stayed in England. So they all had their stories, but that was Russia. That's unbelievable. And it's incredible that I haven't heard any of this before. I feel like if it had happened to me, that would be all I talked about. And a lot more people would know about the Cossacks and uh, what it's like to change countries a number of times. But zooming back in on you a little bit, what would you say is a proudest accomplishment of yours? Or top three, a couple of them. Are you kidding? Top three? One is (laughs) difficult enough. You know, I would say Suffolk printing because it was something we started together, something we made a success of, something that's still going. It's almost 50 years now. So you can't beat that. What is it about that company in particular that you enjoy so much? The people who have worked for us over all the years have been terrific. We had someone who stayed with us about 18 years. Monica, who was with us, is with us probably over 20 years now. Most of the people, unless they left for something else, stayed at least eight years. And for a small company, that's very unusual. Usually they want all sorts of 401ks and, you know. Yeah. We we don't even give the insurance for their health. Fortunately, they all have insurance on their own. But we've always managed to keep our people. We're not tough on our people. We always get along. And that's why we've stayed in business all these years, because we're the same way with our customers. So what would you like for your legacy to be? How would you like to be thought of? One, most important, 
that I always was easygoing, had a good sense of humor, got along with people. And to tell you the truth, there is, and you should look at it because it's very interesting. It was on 60 Minutes. And it was the people who suffered during the Holocaust. And what they did, which would interest you, is they came up with hundreds of questions. And they asked these people these questions. Now, many of these people have died since they did this because they were old. They were suffered during the Holocaust. And they bring them back to a program. And they ask a question. And they say, how did you suffer? Did you lose your parents? And this man who has passed away says, yes, I did. I lost my parents during the war, which is amazing. It's as if you're sitting and talking with him and he's alive, but he's not. They've made all these tapes for these people so that it would be there forever for the Holocaust museums and all. Now they're getting people who are contacting them and saying, I'd like to do that for my family. I'd like you to ask me the questions like you're doing. And I want to be able to answer their questions. So if your wife or your son or whoever it is in future years says, did you have a brother? I would be able to say, yes, I did have a brother. His name was Arthur, which is unbelievable. It would go on forever. You should look at it because it is extremely interesting. Oh, wow. That is really interesting. So for you personally, though, how would you take that idea and apply it to yourself? Uh, if, if something like that could be done, that would be a great idea. Actually, <laughs> I always had this feeling that when I passed away, I had wanted to make a video ahead of time. And I wanted to put on one of those funny noses with the funny glasses. <laughs> the Groucho Marx thing? Uh, yeah. And, uh, and tell them, being of sound mind, I, you know, and here you are with these glasses. <laughs> Not so much sound mind. And sort of go on and talk. But uh, it, was, it was just the thought. Well, I think we'd all really love it, and I encourage you to uh, pursue that. I'm sure. <laughs> this would be a good sort of segue, though. Maybe we could go down this rabbit hole a bit. If you were given one minute of tape, one minute of video recording, and whether or not you're wearing your glasses with the mustache <laughs> and all that, <laughs> what do you think would be worthwhile information to impart on people? I would just tell everyone in the family, uh, I don't know about people because they probably couldn't care less, not knowing me, just to love one another, not to fight, because in every family there's someone 
who isn't talking to somebody else and just get along because we've always managed to get along. And uh, I would like to see, I wouldn't know, but I would like to hope that everyone got along. And what would you hope for me in my life? Well, I'd like to see you get the type of job that you want and not to rush into anything, to make sure it's something that you really want because you're going to have to be happy in it if you're going to make a success of it. And uh, actually, I would like to see you start your own business and make a success of it because I know you can. Well, thank you. And uh, this is the time to do it. You're, you're not married. You haven't got children you have to worry about. You only have that little pooch. <laughs> she doesn't eat that much. So you don't have to worry about her. And uh, if you're going to make it now, it'll be big because things are changing fast and you're in the right, right spot at the right time. Well, thank you. And thanks for taking the time to do this. You were perfect. I feel like I got a lot out of it. And um, hopefully I'll be back in New York sometime soon and I'll see you around. Thank you very much. And be successful. Do your own thing. You have the talent. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.